When you hear the word freedom, what's the first thing that comes to mind? What do you think of when you hear that word? As far as freedom is defined, uh, the dictionary definition talks about the right, uh, the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Now, as we're going to look at freedom this morning, and as Christians look at freedom, we don't quite take that approach to act, speak, think without hindrance or restraint. At least I hope we don't. Another definition of it is the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. And that's more closer to what we're talking about this morning when it comes to the idea of freedom. Sometimes that word can be used for, for almost anything, kind of taking away some of its real significance and its real power uh, that some people really experience with a uh, with, with freedom. We kind of sometimes apply that word to, to kind of little things. That I'm free to go here or there. We kind of use freedom loosely uh, when it's really much more of a, of a more powerful word and statement. Freedom and the idea of it is mentioned throughout the Bible in, in quite a, a few different ways. Uh, throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New, in, in a bit of different context throughout. So this morning, we're going to be looking specifically at Galatians chapter 5. And here, we have Paul speaking to the church and a Jewish audience about the freedom they now have in Christ. And we'll look at the freedom in this context and how and see how the early church dealt with this idea of freedom and how we now can deal with this idea of freedom in our lives today. So we're going to look at a few different ways that, that Paul speaks to the church about uh, of what this freedom is and what we do with it. Are you someone who is a strict rule follower? Are you someone who likes to have rules and likes to have it clearly defined that this is the activity we are doing and here's the rules set out and I know exactly what I'm doing and when to do it and how to do it and everything is laid out for you? You may be that kind of person. There's some people that really like that and know exactly what the next step is. And they'll follow them meticulously all the way through. Some people may be this to a T, and exactly it may be you sitting there thinking that's how I am. Others may be that the complete opposite of that. They don't want any rules at all. They just kind of want to see what happens and figure it out as they go. So when I was thinking of this idea, uh, I thought of the idea of of Lego, right? So we all know, we all know what Lego is. We played with Lego before in our lives. 
Lego, when you go and buy a, a Lego kit, and you open it up and you get all the pieces and you get a big book of instructions. And Lego has done a very good job of making these instructions very clear, very simple, and fairly get detailed. If you get all the pieces and you follow the instructions in the Lego box, and you follow it exactly as it is laid out, page by page, you'll end up with exactly what you're supposed to end up with, what's on the front of the box. It will look the same, it will work the same, it will work exactly how it's supposed to if you follow every step from page one to the end. And they've made it simple enough that, that young children can do it, and they just take this piece and you put it there. And Lego has laid out every single step for you. You don't have to think about what you're doing. All you have to think about is this piece the right one. And it'll show you which one it is and where to put it. And that idea is really, I think, comforting for some people. To have a book where they look and say, okay, this is exactly where this piece goes. This is what I do here. This is where I put this there. Now, if you don't follow the instructions, you'll not end up with what was intended. Or you won't end up with what's on the front of the box. It may look similar, but it won't look the same. You may be somebody that looks at those instructions and say, well, I don't really want to follow those. I'll just kind of figure it out as I go. And I'll take all the pieces and I'll look at them and I'll say, okay, I'll build this, this truck that I'm supposed to build. And you might be able to do it at the end, make it look somewhat similar, but it won't be exactly how it was supposed to be. But it may be something that you like even better. So the idea of this following the Lego instructions goes back, uh, we're going to relate that to God, how God dealt with his people uh, in the Old Testament, the Old Law. And God gave them over 600 laws, right? We have yeah, the Ten Commandments as its base, and then throughout that, God gave them over 600 laws that they had for following God, for being God's people. And there was instructions all laid out for exactly how they were to live their lives. And the Jewish people in Jesus' day knew and understood this system of following rules. There were people in place to make sure that those rules were, were kept and enforced for the people. If they didn't know exactly what, a, what to do in a situation, they would go to those people and they would tell them, this is the rule for this situation. And everything, there was a solution and a rule for everything that they did. And so this was the idea, and this is how they lived their lives, coming into now the new covenant with Christ. And so Paul puts it here in Galatians 5, speaking to them about, with the mindset that they had here about rules and the law, and all 600 plus rules of them. And Paul tells them in Galatians 5.14, for the whole law 
is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So Paul says all of these laws, these 600 plus laws and rules that you've been living under and your ancestors lived under, I can put all of that into one word, into one statement for how now you live going forward. Paul wanted these Christians to understand that they're no longer under the law that they previously were, but they now act in love and are led by the Spirit. So instead of having a book of rules that you look and examine and people have told you what to do on this day and where to go and what to eat, that was now done and now you had this. You had live, act in love, and live by the Spirit. And so they are not, they're no longer under this strict set of detailed rules. Now I think Paul does a really good job here of taking a couple thousand years of history and 600 plus laws and boiling it down to one statement. And this is the one you are to follow. This is, if you do this, then everything else will stem from it that is right. We also have freedom from ourselves. So this may seem a little bit like an odd statement that we're free from ourselves, but as Christians, we're not bound by our own desires, the own things that we want to do, but we overcome our own desires through Jesus. So the question is, why do you do what you do? Do we think about what we do? There's many decisions that we make in just one day. And most of those decisions we probably don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about. We just do them either out of routine or necessity or whatever it might be. We, we get up and we, we make breakfast or you make some coffee and you just maybe do that every day. If it's cold outside, you decide to put a coat on. It's not a hard decision. It's not one that you think about for a long time. And so there's many decisions that we just make without really giving it a whole lot of thought. But I want us to think a little bit this morning about why we do what we do. What's our motivation for the things we do in our life? How do we make the decisions? There's a lot of things that I could do this afternoon. I mean, like countless things that I could decide if I really wanted to, I could do. So how am I going to decide what to do? Well, Emily will probably tell me, but, <laughs> but she has to make that decision too. 
So why do we do what we do, right? There has to be a motivation for this. There has to be something that guides us in making those decisions. So Galatians 15, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 16 and 17 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. We are to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Okay, so what does this mean? What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? When we look at our lives and we look at the decisions that we make, are we making them simply by what we want to do? Or are we guided by the Spirit in the decisions that we make? As Christians, we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit that lives in us, that is active and living in us. So we need to make sure we are being guided by that Spirit. and not just on our own. We need to realize and accept that we have something great and powerful in us that wants to help us and guide us and direct us. The Spirit is there so that we can make proper decisions. It will help us, it will be our helper. And we just have to listen to that and be open to the Spirit guiding us, instead of just making whatever decisions we choose to make. Now that's a practice that's not going to come easy. It's not going to be the moment that you're baptized and you become a Christian, and okay, now I just the Spirit speaks for me and I don't have to make any decisions. It doesn't work that way. And so it's not, you know, it's, it is easy to just do whatever we want. Right? I can just say, okay, I want to do this, so I'll do it. Regardless of the effect or the consequences of it, that's easy to do, but it's not so easy to listen to the Spirit. We have to calm our mind. We have to pay attention to what the, to what the Spirit is telling us and how it is guiding us. So we look at, are the things we are doing, the decisions that we make, are they pleasing to God? Are they right? Are they honorable? Are they good things? If Jesus was with you in the morning and he asked, what are you going to do today? All the things that you think about doing, you think he's going to approve. Now, we strive for a life like this, but it's not possible to completely have a life like this. We're not perfect people, right? We make mistakes consistently. And so we know that we're never going to be able to come to the point where we completely rely on the Spirit to make every decision for us, and we just go about that way. Because we are human and we make mistakes and we do things selfishly even though we shouldn't. 
we need to remind ourselves and train ourselves to think, why do I do the things that I do? We also have freedom from sin. So the question is, why do we sin? Now again, this may be a question that's not always very easy to answer. You may have an answer, I think, in your head right now of why if you, that question, why do we sin? But not everybody's answer may be the same. Now I think I can say none of us want to sin. Right? That's not our desire, that's not our goal. We don't want to do wrong things. Yet we do. So why? Why do we do things that we're not supposed to do or that we shouldn't do? Why do we sin? Well, we all have our own selfish desires that can get in the way. And Paul talks about this to the church. In verses 19 and 21, he talks about the deeds of the flesh. He says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a great warning at the end of that section. If we follow those things, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. I would hope we all want to inherit the kingdom of God. I think we all want that. So we look at these and say, I shouldn't do these things. Now we can look at this and say, okay, here's a list, right? Paul gave us a list. Great. I'll look at this list and I'll look at everyone and see, make sure I don't do those. And then if I don't, I'm good. But that's not the point that Paul is making here. He's trying to get the people here to get away from the idea of here's a list of don'ts. He's saying here are some things as examples of what I'm talking about. It's not just these. These are part of it, but there's more to this. He even says, and things like these. This isn't a complete list. It's the idea of this kind of life that we need to avoid. So we look at things like this and we ask, are these things getting in the way of how we live our lives? Paul gives us here, right after this, a focus on, on, instead of those things, we should focus on these things. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So again, Paul gives a list. Not an exact, specific, only list, but a list of these ideas. If you live by these 
things, if you live like this, then you don't need that law. There is no law. It's these things now. There's no law to give us the exact instructions of what to do in our everyday lives, but there's things like this that we focus on and strive towards. This is a better way. God gave his people instructions in the Old Testament. He gave them what to do. But Jesus also said when he came, I, there's something better coming. And that better was and is the Holy Spirit. That's coming and living in us, which is going to be better than the law. And Paul wanted to make sure that they understood that there was something greater happening here than the law that they were so comfortable and familiar with. That there is now a better way to live. The old law, the old way was temporary, but the new covenant, now the freedom in Christ, is the better way. It is better to have the Spirit in us guiding us than a set of laws that guides. So we are to walk by the Spirit. Paul writes, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. When we walk by the Spirit, we will not carry out the desires of the flesh. We will make mistakes, we will mess up on this, and we will do what we want sometimes. But our focus, our goal, our practice in life is to walk by the Spirit. Not our own things of, I think this is a good idea, so I'm going to do it. But what is the Spirit guiding me to do? What is the better way? When Jesus ta was talking to his apostles, he talked about this better that's coming. He also talked about uh, the law in this sense. In Matthew 22, his, his apostles asked him, they say there in verse 36, starting in verse 36 in Matthew 22, Teacher, what is the great, the great commandment in the law? They wanted to know which one above all of them should I make sure that I follow? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Just like Paul narrowed down the lodge, that one phrase, Jesus did the same here. He talks about that love is the key. The entire old law all comes to this. 
This is now how you act. You act in love. Are the decisions you're making based on love for God and love for each other? If they're not, then make then think about don't do that decision. Don't make that decision. We need to think as we act, as we live, is what I'm doing good for God and good for others? Or is it just good for me? Are we walking in ourselves or walking by the Spirit? Are we pushing our own selfish agendas? Or are we expressing Jesus in our lives and showing the world who he is and how to live? Paul talks in, in verse 13. He says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The Jews he was talking to are now freed from this law. They are free from these 600 plus rules that they were to follow. It's done. They're free from it. And that kind of freedom could draw them to just do whatever they wanted. They're finally free. And I can do whatever I want. But Paul talks to them and says, but through love, serve one another. That should be your focus. Is not on following all the specific rules that you had before, but love. Love is the key there. Your freedom now all revolves around love. We have been called to freedom. Just as they were free from the law, we are free from sin. We didn't live in the law before, but the same idea applies to us, and we can understand that. This freedom that we now have in Christ. This freedom that we don't just use as the definition would say that we act or speak or think without hindrance or restraint, that's not the kind of freedom that we live by. The kind of freedom we have is by walking with the Spirit. By walking by the Spirit. Many times we look at freedom as the opportunity to do whatever we want. I am free to do and say what I want, basically in this country. The rights have been given to me to do that. Now how are we going to act towards that? Are we going to do the things that Paul talked about earlier? of causing dissensions and factions and disputes with that freedom? Or are we going to show love and act in love and walk by the Spirit? We need to walk by the Spirit 
and do what God and act how God wants us to act and how he wants us to be. As I've said, this is going to be really hard sometimes. It's easy to kind of join the argument. It's easy to, to put down our leaders or put down people that we disagree with and just join the crowd in that sense. But we are called to be above that. That as we practice the ideas of the fruits of the Spirit that Paul lays out, and we try to do those things, not the things of the flesh, that over time it starts to become second nature to us. It becomes just who we are. And we don't have a desire to go out and fight with people. We want to go out and love people. Paul saw this problem in the first century of these Jews coming into this new life and wanting to hang on to some of these rules. And he talks about it other times in his, in his other letters of people that wanted to keep parts of the old law and apply that to Christians. Parts that they liked or parts that they felt were really important. And they really wanted to hang on to that. Because it gave them a sense of, of responsibility. It gave them a sense of an exactness of what to do. And Paul is trying to make the point that it's no longer, it doesn't work that way anymore. There's not an exact list that you follow all the time to know exactly what to do so that you can be called a Christian. It all boils down to the idea of love. And that's your focus. And for us, even though we are coming from that old law, trying to establish that, there are things in our lives that we, that we do like to stick to, whether it's traditions or it's just comforts that we like, that we really want to hold on to. But now as we have freedom from ourselves, we have freedom from sin. We no longer look at the things that just we want. We look at what does God need from me. And we listen and we pay attention to the spirit that lives in us. It is there. It would be a huge mistake to ignore it. God gave us that gift, a powerful gift that every one of us in Christ has. Use that gift, walk by the Spirit, and we will find true freedom. Thank you.